0: Hi, I'm Jack Pitt from the Scottish Corporal Association and Edinburgh University Corporal Club, and
1: you're listening to the Half Court Press Podcast.
2: Hi, I'm Neela Brennan, and I play for England Corporal and Trojans Corporal Club, and you're listening
0: to the Half Court Press. Hi, I'm Kashif Irshad, Scotland Corporal Association and Edinburgh University Corporal Club, and you're listening to the Half Court Press Podcast.
1: Hi,
2: I'm Tilbert LaHaye from the International Corvette Federation and you are listening to Half
1: court Press. Courtball is a mixed gender sport that originates from the Netherlands that is similar to both netball and basketball. It's an invasion game that is eight a side with four women and four men on each team. Courtball has been around for over 100 years and is now played all over the world. In this series, we find out a bit more about the sport from those involved. Theo McLeod is your presenter.
0: Hi, I'm Dan Pratt from Edinburgh City Corporal Club, and you are listening to the Half Court Press podcast.
2: Hi, I'm Ella Fisher. I'm from Edinburgh City Corporal Club, and you are listening to the Half Court Press podcast.
1: Hello, and welcome back to the Half Court Press podcast. We are here for the Corfe Specials. I'd like to welcome back a, a friend of the show, uh, Dan Pratt and Ella Fisher of Edinburgh City Corfball Ball Club. Hello, people. Hi.
2: Hi.
1: Can we, can, well, would you mind to, uh, well, for, in Dan's case, remind our, our, our avid listeners of who he is and, and Ella, would you like to introduce yourself, please?
0: Yeah, sure. I'm Dan Pratt from Edinburgh City Corfball Club. Um, I'm also on the SKA committee running Scottish Corfball uh, and the Edinburgh City Committee. I've been playing corfball for coming up to 25 years now, so plenty of experience. Uh, started in London, went to the Netherlands, and now in Scotland playing corfball. So lots of background, um, but most of it not very important.
2: Hi, I'm Ella. I also play for Edinburgh City. I'm not on a committee right now, but have been previously. Um, I played golf ball for seven years. I started at university, and I've also played in the Netherlands when I lived there for about a year and a half-ish um, and moved back to Edinburgh after that. Keep playing. Uh,
1: Dan, I believe that you, you are you might know uh, another interviewee on this podcast series, uh, Neela Brennan, who's also from, from South London.
0: That's right. Yeah, we played together at Trojans Corporal Club. Um, I was there for a brief stint before I moved up to Scotland. Uh, yeah, she's a great player, a great person. Um, look forward to hearing what she has to say in Caulfield.
1: So Ella, you, you started out at at university, did you? What, what uni were you at?
2: Yes, I was at St. Andrews University um, and basically I, do, I did a lot of niche sports while I was at St. Andrews, I suppose. I've done judo since I was very young and I did dance and I did trampoline while I was there. But I would say that I, I started being pretty terrible at catching a ball <laughs> um, and two of my friends were the captain and president of the club and corporal are always recruiting and they should come along, it's really fun. And I said, I can't catch a ball. And they said, that doesn't matter. And I said, that feels like a lie. Um, but I came along and everyone was just so lovely. And I, I ended up staying and then, yeah, I ended up training like three times a week, playing every weekend. It, it really took over <laughs> my sport. <laughs> so why,
1: why did you stay? What, 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 was, what was it that that, grabbed you that kept you in the game?
2: Um, I felt it was really refreshing that it wasn't the type of sport that people have, apart from Dan, that many people have done from childhood, especially not in Scotland. Um, Almost everyone at the club when I joined had joined at university. So the max time anyone had played was four years at that point. And it was really nice because when you joined, everyone knew you were starting from scratch. and No one got frustrated by it. And also I think because of that, because it's got a really good gender split, people are competitive, but they're very friendly. It tends to attract very friendly people. I was invited along to play at a tournament, I think a month after I joined. And the only reason I didn't go to two more was I was busy the next day. Um, And I became captain the, maybe a year after that um, of the second team um and a social sec the year after that like it's really easy to become really involved very quickly and to feel a part of a community which I really liked and also the sport is really fun I'm not gonna lie
1: what's what's your role now are you involved in any capacity capacity?
2: I'm not I am I was thinking about it and then decided that basically I, I didn't want to commit. I was going to think about being social sec, but I didn't want to commit to doing that during lockdown because I I'm not great on like Zoom quizzes and stuff, and I didn't want to leave the club without a good social sec either, um, or with one not pulling their weight. But I have previously really enjoyed being social sec coaching. I did captaincy for a bit, and I really liked that. Um, and I try. I've done a wee bit of coaching in our like socially distanced sessions, which has been really fun. So, and I was on a committee a few when I was in the Netherlands, and I liked that as well.
1: Yeah, tell me about Holland, because uh, for, the, for the uninitiated Korfball, uh, the Dutch league is, is it professional?
2: It's, well, Dan will know the specifics better than I do. Okay.
0: Uh, the top league is, but um, well, that's a very small percentage of, of the Dutch Korfball pyramid. Um, yeah, it's it's not. It is professional in that they get a living wage, but a lot of them have uh, other part-time jobs to supplement that wage as well. So they get equipment paid for, their training paid for, and travel and accommodation and those kind of things. But um, it's yeah, it's not the kind of money that you see in in other sports.
1: It it is. I think the top league in 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 in, in the Netherlands. Is the top league in the world though, isn't it? It's. Yeah. So, how was it like playing there? What, what, what? Your experience like?
2: I loved it. I'll have had very different experiences to Dan. I think we played at quite different clubs. So when I moved, I I moved to a university. I was doing my masters, but I joined the city team first because, I think. A friend of mine knew someone there, and it just I had more connections to it as far as I remember. But I also went along to the student club. So at one point I was training like four times a week and playing a game on a weekend because I was playing for the city club and training with them, but training also with the student club. And then I moved to train with the to play with the student club in the second half of my time there. To put it into context, I was on their seventh team, and they had a wait list. And they also have a training team. Like it's so much bigger. It's so much more training. People take it seriously in Scotland. I would never like to say they don't. But if you're busy, you can miss a training that week. And it's not really that big a deal. No one missed a training at Dutch Corfo. It was not an option, really. I think the one time I did, my bike broke. You know, like I. it's a big deal. And I really enjoyed that. It was a different experience, but it was a nice one.
1: What do, you, what do you know now that, that you didn't know before? What did you learn from your experiences in, in the home of golf ball?
2: I think you just, you improve because you're playing with people who everyone has played since they were like six, you know? It's, it's a very, you have to raise your game because otherwise you just don't get the ball because they're not gonna pass you if you can't shoot and if you can't catch and if you can't pass the, it's a very different experience. I think my shooting's better now. Well, it was, then we went into a two-year lockdown. Who knows what it's like now, um, but it was better. Um, yeah, I don't think I learned anything specially new. I just think I improved, that was all. But Dan will have a hugely different, because he went to a completely different type of club, I think.
1: Yeah, Dan, how, how does that compare to your experiences abroad? You you alluded to to a difference in heights and playing styles in your last interview, but yeah, think?
0: so just following on from Ella, I think the, the massive difference is the amount of people playing and the size of clubs there. Um, the, the difference in teams is very small from, from the team that you're playing in, from the best player in your team to the worst player. And also the, the league that you're in, every match weekend is going to be a close match. Whereas in Scotland, because there aren't as many people playing, the, the differences are much larger. And so every, every week in the Netherlands, you have to train hard, you have to play hard, otherwise yeah, you, you don't make it. Um, and the, the real big difference was in the training. We had team-specific training. Uh, your team had an hour and a half slot twice a week, um, and there was no kind of mixed club training, just because they're so large that they can't get everyone together. Um, so, yeah, it was noticed if you were missing you have small squads and if you're missing then they're short uh, and there's a real expectation that everyone turns up week in week out whereas in scotland it is more of a social sport um i think in the netherlands they also have recreational teams there are there are places for people that want to play socially it's just because they're so large if you if you're competitive then you're going to be training twice a week playing once a week uh and and if you don't then you're going to be dropping down the teams and Yeah, um, having a a place exactly suited for your your talent and your needs um, is possible in the Netherlands but it's not in Scotland.
1: The Half Court Press is now on Patreon. Patreon is a well-known and trusted online platform that allows our fans to support the sports journalism that we create. We offer a tiered subscription plan with more content being made available to our fans who choose to spend a bit more each month. We at the Half Court Press would appreciate any and all support that you wish to contribute towards our articles, podcasts and interviews. people listening to this episode who are big Corporal fans, um, there'll be some of our more regular listeners who have no idea what the sport is. What is Corporal? What are the intricacies? What makes it special? Uh, Ella, you, mean, you, you uh, indicated earlier on that there's a, uh, it's a mixed gender sport.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, this is the pitch you learn within about a week of playing golf ball, because that's the question everyone asks, what is court The amount of job interviews I've had where they've asked that is hilarious because it's on my CV, but, um, golf ball is a sport where there's four girls, four boys on every team. When you're on a pitch, you're split into two divisions and there'll be two girls and two boys on each side. So it is always completely equal gender split wise. Um it's like a mixture of basketball and netball. My height might be wrong. It's either 2.5 meters or 3.5 meters, the post. It's it's taller than a netball and a basketball post, I think, but I can't remember the exact height. Um, you can't move with the ball, which is why it's like netball. You don't have a position, which is why it's like basketball, and you have two steps, so you can do a layup, although we call it a runner um and every two goals you switch sides so one half is in defense one half is in attack and every two goals that switches dan can tell me if i've got anything <laughs> not clear in that uh
0: yeah just the height of the post is three and a half meters so yeah. i mean that's one of the things that people comment on when they come to korfball uh is that the post is a lot taller than normal i think um once you get playing then you get used to it but it is um it's too high for even NBA players to dunk on. Uh, although I think Dwight Howard I watched in the dunk contest was able to dunk on a, on a net that high. So maybe, maybe someone of his standing um, can. But it does mean that you can't uh, block shots by standing under the basket or, or, or dunking. So there's no, there's no individuality in, in just standing still and doing one thing in court for.
1: Thanks for the, for the height reference there. I was, I was frantically trying to search, <laughs> search <laughs> in my <own> research. <laughs> yeah, so, sorry. I mean, uh, I
2: feel like that's put it into context for me because that's more than double my height. I was, <laughs> it's tall, but I didn't realize it was that tall. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, uh, for, the,
1: for the average British person, um, it's 3.5 meters. I'm five foot eight, and I'm about 1.7. Was it 1.72? I think it's five
0: foot eight, something like this. Yeah, it's interesting being a European sport. We just grew up with uh, everything being in meters, and it's natural to us to think of the post as 3.5 meters, penalty spots being two and a half meters away. There's uh,
2: the post yeah. is 11 feet, five and 0.7 inches. <laughs> For anyone who doesn't operate in metric, uh...
1: still working in imperial. So why do you play corp ball instead of any other sport? Why did why did you turn down netball? Why did you turn down basketball? Why 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 court ball?
0: Um, I think for me it was at school. Um someone came in and said this is corpball. I had a bunch of friends who took it up as well and we went along. And the school sports teams in football, I was in the football team. Um, didn't really enjoy it that much. Um and then I tried out for the basketball and cricket teams. And the coaches, I think, uh, were PE teachers already had a set list of players that they wanted in mind. And despite me playing fairly well in basketball, uh, I, I had an unorthodox technique because I was playing golf ball. Um, and it didn't really matter that I was scoring baskets uh, because it wasn't the technique that the coach wanted. It was um, frowned upon. So I think golf ball was quite welcoming to, to me as a young player. Um, it didn't really matter what what I was playing like and they were happy to see people along. Whereas other sports were quite elitist and rig- rigid and stuck in their ways. Um, and for me as someone who at that time wasn't that into watching sports, I didn't know the right techniques. I didn't know what was there, but I was always competitive and, and having fun when I was involved in competition. So yeah, I think other sports were... Um, elitist and for me that didn't work because I, I just wanted to go and, and let out some steam rather than trying to get the right spin or or trying to shoot in a in a certain way
1: Hello?
2: well like I say, I started at university and I'd I'd done individual sports before I did a lot of judo but I'd never done a team sport I also I really didn't like PE at school um partly because I think similar to what Dan's saying about elitist, it was sports that some people were really good at. And if you weren't really good at them, there was no other option. You just kind of were really bad at sport twice a week, you know, and I, it kind of put me off. And then I joined because my friend said I should come along and I came along. And I think in some sports where there is more elitism, if you're not good at the beginning, it's very hard to like keep going along and being bad at it. Um, especially if people get frustrated with you. And I do not have a natural hand-eye coordination, much to, you know, my coaches despair sometimes, but it is improving. Um, And I think for me, the thing is that, first of all, they knew that I wouldn't be good at it because no one's really that good at it when they drink Caulfield unless they're naturally very gifted at sport, because no one's really done it before. But also I was at university and I wanted to be sociable and our Caulfield Club used to have a social we used to go to the pub once a week. We also had a social once a week. We all often went to the library together to study. You know, I saw those people every day for four years. Basically, they became my best, like some of my best friends. And I think that kept me going until I got good enough that my competitiveness wasn't thwarted <laughs> at every match. When I started to notice I was improving and got, and got benefits from that as well. So it was good.
1: Sweet who are who are the famous players let's 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 create some context for 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 the fans and the people wanting to learn about corporal who are the big players who are the famous teams who what are the important competitions
2: well i only know about scotland so that would be a very narrow i know some of the really good university teams from all over britain because you play in british universities and college sport bucks um, so I've seen them there. But apart from that, Dan, I'm afraid is who you'll have to go to. My, I think my university team in the Netherlands was the biggest, parable, um, But I don't, I don't really know anything else about Dutch for I played in a very small circle. So in Scotland, there's Edinburgh City, there's Edinburgh Mavericks, there's Glasgow City, there's Strathclyde, there's Dundee and there's St Andrews. Um, Edinburgh University is the biggest team for universities. St Andrews, I think, has two teams, Strath sometimes has two and sometimes has one. Um, Edinburgh City, I don't know how many teams are on because we went into lockdown when we were planning to expand, so we've got a lot of teams. Um, And Edinburgh Mavericks has a lot and does really well as well, as as does Glasgow and Dundee. Um, But I'm afraid Dan will give you more statistics on England than the rest of the world. (laughs)
0: Yeah, unfortunately, uh, I'm a bit of an encyclopedia when it comes to korfball, and it means that other more important stuff gets pushed out. But uh, yeah, we just had the, the Dutch korfball League final uh, at the weekend. So the, the the best teams, the best players were all competing last weekend. Um, it was available to be streamed. So it was really good to be able to watch that from home. Um, so you had parque Say, who are the, the biggest club in the Netherlands, uh, winning the title against Fortuna. Um, so they're they're two of the most well known, and I think probably top would be in that top three as well. Um, I would say, yeah, the the player at a match was uh, Vandervelde, and she was fantastic in the in the match. Um, two of the players that I look up to, uh, Nick Picard from Top, and Lawrence Lowenhook uh, from say they they play a similar position than I do, just a, a hell of a lot better. Um so I look up to those as players, but also um Fleur Hook from Fortuna He's uh, is a fantastic role model, um ultra competitive and, and incredibly talented. Uh, you see her at exhibition games just throwing through the leg uh, layups and, and just her, her talent level is off, off the charts.
1: I, I get the impression that the the ultra competitive size of Corporal is something which you 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 are quite keen on, Dan.
0: um yes uh yeah i don't know how to (laughs) how to put that into into words yeah i'm i'm competitive at everything that i do uh so i mean i'll race my nephew up the stairs and if he's winning i'll pull his legs back and climb (laughs) over the top of him um i for me uh competition is fun um winning is not everything but at least trying to win is is everything um Yeah, there will be situations where you can just recognise someone's better than you and that's fine but just uh, competing is always a thrill for me
1: The Half Court Press is on social media Feel free to follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram In terms of the university level of Corfe how important is that to the development of the game in, in, in Britain, in the UK, in Scotland?
0: I think in Scotland, it plays a much different role <clears throat> than in England. So the university clubs make up 40 to 50 percent of the membership here. So they, they play a huge part. And then when when those students graduate, they, they find City teams. So a, a large part of recruitment for the city teams is, is picking up leaving students. Um, so the universities are, are big um, in Scottish golf ball. In English golf ball, they're more of an afterthought. So the city teams are, are big. They, they don't rely on student recruitment. Um, what tends to happen is that players who started young then go to university and start university clubs. And so universities are, are secondary Rather than um, primary in in England,
1: are, are you still coaching the University of Edinburgh football team?
0: I am. Yeah, I mean we haven't had any matches or serious training. Um, so me and Cash, who I think you'll have on a, a later podcast, will um will go and just provide some. Training, uh, just some fun exercises, shooting drills, uh, competitions, things like that, just to keep everyone ticking over and give give people a little bit of a release uh, at university over the lockdown. Um, but yeah, we we normally last season we we were coaching the competitive teams.
1: How much how much um, of the old school football manager pepping up for players do you do? Are you quite whisper in the ear. Come, come play for City.
0: Perfect. Um I mean no I've I've tried to be as professional as po- well yeah professional <laughs> as possible so I won't wear any Edinburgh City branded stuff when I go to training um they obviously speak to me about what it's like at Edinburgh City and a couple of them have turned up to summer training because they know me as a face and they're happy to talk to me and and find out if if it's possible for them to get some extra training so um, in terms of tapping up it's not something that i actively engage in um, it, it helps that i'm someone that they recognise and and enjoy my coaching so they tend to to gravitate towards edinburgh city at the moment but uh, yeah i'd rather let the the coaching and the the training and the 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 relevance of edinburgh city do the talking rather than me yeah, trying to sell something that I, I don't necessarily need to sell.
1: So how can people get involved in corporate
2: Well, I was going to say it depends what life stage you're at. If you're a student, just go along. I mean, right now we're in the middle of COVID, so you'd have to email and say, do you have space in your trainings? But it is very much a at every level, in Scotland at least, it is very much a show up with no experience if you have no experience and we will teach you from the beginning. Um, In the city teams, you'd have to, if you're in Edinburgh, for example, you you might want to try both those two city teams. So it would be up to you to like decide if one just looked more like your type of thing from the outset or if you wanted to go along to trainings for both and see which fit you better. But I think just showing up, email or text message the Facebook of whichever team is to you fits your lifestyle and just say, hi, I've never played. I've no idea about the sport. I heard a podcast, presumably, if they're listening to this. Could we try it? And I, don't, I can't think of any team that wouldn't say, yeah, of course, please come along. We train at these times. We'll explain everything to you, just where's something you can run about in. That's all it is.
1: So, so what, what if you are a five foot eight short fat guy with poor depth perception could you could you walk in and get a game
2: well i'm five foot one and a half <laughs> important um, <laughs> especially important in the netherlands when everyone was much taller than me um i also wear glasses and i don't wear them during court ball i have previously tried to wear contacts and found out i couldn't shoot because i've learned how to shoot without my full eyesight <laughs> so when i have I now my depth perception's way um, And I couldn't catch a ball when I started. Well, I could, my dad made sure I could catch a ball when I was younger, I could catch it, but it took a lot of effort. Um, you just learn, people understand. A lot of people have come from the same position. Scotland's not known for its height, you know? Like a lot of people come along who are fairly short. A lot of people come along who wear glasses and a lot of people come who've never properly played a ball sport. It's really, if you come along and you're amazing, There are teams to accommodate that. There are first teams who would love to have someone new come in and really shape things up. But if you come along and you've never played before, you don't have to play a match until you feel ready to play a match.
0: Yeah, I'd agree. Um, I'm the development officer at City, and so I'm always looking at how to remove barriers for players coming in, not just uh, shorter-than-average men, but people from all backgrounds. So um, that's one of the reasons why expanding... The, the number of teams at City was really important, was for people to find their place naturally. Um, we've got people that come along to training once a month and aren't particularly fussed about playing. They just like a, a bit of exercise every now and again and to see people that they consider friends. Uh, yeah uh, So I think one of the things at City is that th- there is a place for everyone, no matter what. And our membership fees are set up in a way that if you're super involved, then... You can buy a, a yearly subscription and get everything chucked in your training your matches um things like that and if not, then you just pay when you turn up There's no big uh monthly sign up fees that you're stuck in for twelve month contracts and things like that so we're always looking at ways of just making sure people are playing core um we're a small sport and although cities are probably the biggest club at the moment we're always looking for more people to make make the club better um one of the great things about Corfball is just the, the difference in who plays it. And the more people you get involved, the, the better that's going to be for everyone. So, yeah, we'll always find a place, even for you, Tao.
1: You mentioned, you both mentioned earlier on, city city clubs. When you say that, there uh, are two clubs in Edinburgh, one of which is called City. So, 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 when you say city clubs, you mean clubs that are based in in large townships?
0: Yeah, just anything that's not a university club, we we classify as a city club, um, just because universities make up a big part of the league. Uh, there's a there's a distinction between a u- university team and a city team, just because universities can only recruit really from their university um, cohort, whereas city clubs are free to recruit from anyone. Uh, and, and there are different challenges faced by both sets of clubs. So we have a distinction in Scotland between the two. But, yeah, we're, we're Edinburgh City and also a City club.
1: So I believe there are, it, are there three clubs in Edinburgh. I think it's Edinburgh City, Edinburgh Mavericks. Uh, more of that, tune into um I think it's episode one of the uh, t- season 10 with, with uh, Steve Lawrence. Um And then there is, those are the two city clubs, and then there is Edinburgh University as well, who are also part of the first division. Um, What is happening in Scotland? What is is happening in Edinburgh, and then what is happening in Scotland right now?
0: Um, I mean, it's a bit hard to say what's happening because not a lot. We're all kind of just waiting patiently for things to open up again. Um, We've had some socially distanced training sessions uh, recently um we're a, a what's deemed a contact sport even though the contact is controlled it's not quite rugby um or basketball levels of contact we are still deemed a contact sport so we haven't been able to play matches recently um but i think there's been a lot of good work at the the management level of scottish Corfball um, which i'm a part of and i'm really pleased to be working with some energetic and Fantastic people. Um, so we've been working there on developing referees with online courses. Um, I know Cash, who you're speaking to uh, on another podcast, has been working incredibly hard on a coaching document to get uh, new coaches involved um, and just giving them a, a document that they read and, and can take those first steps and, and be very well prepared. And he's trying to organise online workshops um, for those as well um we've taken the chance to look at our rules and try and make our leagues fairer uh, and yeah i've got another proposal in the pipeline to try and remove more barriers but i don't i don't want to speak on it yet because i haven't spoken to the the management committee on it um so we'll just keep that in the pipeline but yeah there's a lot of good work going on at management level um to do as much as we can during the lockdown online and, and developing people and keeping people involved Um, and then from an Edinburgh City point of view I'll probably let Ella talk because she's been involved at that level a bit more.
2: Edinburgh City has been really great throughout the lockdown I think it would have been very easy for something like a group of people who are friends but who predominantly see each other through a sport when that sport is taken away it's hard to make sure that you still remain quite regular contact apart from to the people you're maybe closer to individually and it's done a really good job of that um our two social sects have been phenomenal, to be honest. They, they've they had socials, I would say, around once every two weeks, maybe. Over Zoom, we've, we've done because I think. We've done Among Us, you know, and, and they're not... I think sometimes online things can be a bit stilted, and, you know, we played Among Us until midnight, I think, one day. It's, it's still got a really good community feeling, which is nice. And then as soon as we were allowed to socially distance training, our the management leadership group for our, um, our club was so on it. Um, President sent us out a text being like, right, we're doing it this day, this time, these are the protocols, these are the safety measures. You have to sign up this way to make it fair. And it's just been great. Being back out has been like a light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> Seeing everyone again, the trainings have been so much fun. It's hard because like Dan says, the actual match play is controlled contact. So we're not allowed to do any of that. And you know, you don't normally do an hour and a half passing to each other and taking shots. And they've managed to, all the coaches have managed to make it not repetitive, not boring, not make you be like, oh, maybe I won't go along. Everyone's excited to be there. And it's been so nice.
1: So talk me through the actual uh, tournaments and competitions that you, that you two compete in. What's, what's the league like? What's, what, what's the cup competition? When you start competing again, what happens?
2: I'll let Dan handle the league but I can talk about some tournaments maybe because Dan has a lot more insight to league than I do I just play in it
0: <laughs> yeah so I'm currently the competitions officer for Scotland Court which means I'm I would have been in charge of running a league and cup competition so may, maybe I am best placed for uh talking about it um so the league is a two-tier structure um, a top league with eight teams and a, a second league with nine teams in um I think it's it's probably as well split as it could be Um, within those league systems. You've got clubs at the top half and clubs at the bottom half. And much like the Premier League, I think you know who those teams are going to be at the start of the season. Um, And then clubs battling relegation at the other end of the table. Um, I think where, where Scottish Corporal really mixes things up is in the cup competition. So teams are encouraged to mix up, their first and second and third teams and, and just have a mix of players, uh, and that usually gets held over two weekends. The first weekend have two groups, um, and then the winners of those groups go into the final, and the runners up play off for a bronze medal. Um, which that becomes kind of like a finals weekend, um, and we try and involve an all star match as well on the same weekend, so get a lot of the corporate community together and just. Watch, watch some core football uh but really celebrate the community at the same time um so yeah, those are normally really nice weekends where you see a lot of people together uh enjoying football, developing and it's a I'd say a less competitive atmosphere where people are more focused on development and and community than uh than the league season is normally um,
1: one of the one of the interviewees in the last series which one of the core who wasn't you, I can't remember which one it was, though, um, was saying that the focus was qu- quite a bit on the league and less so the cup. Is that a common theme?
0: Uh, it depends which team you are. <laughs> um, so some teams take it super serious and some teams don't. And It's, it's the nature of Scottish core football, because we're quite a small sport, is that there are a lot of different... Um, different needs for the clubs. Um, The cup competition does offer a chance to to relax some of your team selection rules. There aren't the same selection rules in the cup, so you can drop players um, and you can bring players up and and mix up your teams far more freely than you can in the league. Um, So it does become a really good opportunity to mix those teams. um, And because of that, you tend to take it less seriously. It's not your best eight or 10 players competing um, you'll have a mix of players and so you have to adjust accordingly.
2: When I was at St Andrews, we used to mix up our teams very purposefully for cup tournaments because we only had two teams. You were either in the second team, a lot of whom were beginners, or you were in the first team and they were the ones who were the most experienced. And it was often quite a big jump because we were in the different league Um and it was really good to have the cup to be like, right, you play with some of the first team now. You're also playing against some other first teams, but not entirely. You're not just going to get like shut down completely all the time. And it's a really good way to boost confidence and have a bit of fun while playing in a, with different team players. It's really good. How, how
1: useful is that to catching up to a slightly faster speed? How similar is that to what you're talking about when you played in Holland about getting used to slightly better standards?
2: I mean, I think it's similar in that you are playing with people often like when I first start playing with people in the first team, you're just playing with people who are better than you, who played for longer, who know the sport better and it does help you raise your own game. I think the difference would be in the Netherlands, it's a more consistent thing, especially for me. I was definitely not as good as basically anyone in that club and it was a more consistent thing. And also it's more serious. You know, the cup is fun, it is people can take it really seriously, but it is mostly a fun way to play with each other and play with different players and stuff, so.
1: I'm quite interested in this all-star thing that happens on cup finals day. Um, The research I did for it indicated that there were two players, maybe two players from each club that was put us for, uh,
0: yeah, that's right. So the All-Star tries to um, get a male and female player from each of the, the clubs um, so that there's a good representation. And then much like the NBA All-Star Weekend, I think the, the captains of two teams pick from that selection as to, as to their teams. Um, and then they just have a, an exhibition match. Um, I think it's a really good way to showcase talent, but also to build those bonds within the corporal community as a small sport um, I think people often can take things personally on court and so it's, it, it's important to make sure that the community is as together as possible because a lot of the times we need clubs and, and members to work uh, with the management committee in order to get things done so having a strong community is definitely important and the cup weekend and the all-star match are, are great ways to build those bonds.
1: How, how is that perceived by the players? Is it Is it a bit of an honour? Is it it prestigious? I'm playing in the All-Star match this weekend.
0: It certainly was for me when I was selected. Um, I I can't speak to how other players view it, but um, I think uh, it's a great chance for for players at other clubs to play with each other. Um, And and it is really good players and they're used to different styles as well. So it can be interesting playing with someone who who plays in a different style to you and, and finding out, how you fit with those. Um, but yeah, it's always nice to, to be selected to an all-star team. Um, put it on your Facebook profile and, and just show off a little bit about it. Uh, yeah, it's definitely a, a point of honour for me and I'm sure a few other players feel
1: the same. Ella, yeah, I'll see you nodding along to that.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's always nice because especially if, if you've played right from not knowing anything, fairly regularly, it's nice to have that, oh, I have improved to the degree that they want me to play in this match. That's a really nice thing to hear, you know? Um, It's a very tangible sign that you're doing something right, which is really nice. Um, And I really agree with what Dan was saying about creating the community. Um, It's been so long now, two years since we've had any of this. I can't remember exactly which occasion it's placed on. I think it's finals day. We have a big Kaylee afterwards and I, I always love that. It's really nice. They give out the awards for the, is that the right day, Dan, before I start? Yep. Uh, they give out the awards for like best male shoot, not best male shoot, but most goals for male, most goals for women, MVP, a team that's won each league. And then we have a big Kaylee, and it's such a lovely um, day. It's one that everyone I know looks forward to. Um, and you really get out with everyone from other clubs. You know, you don't just hang out with your team everyone has friends in other clubs because it's such a small community and tournaments are also a really good way to do that so I can run through a few Scottish tournaments we have if that would be helpful but so we have I mean there might be some I've missed or that started when I was away or so Dan might want to cut in but I did a beginner tournament a few years ago I don't I'll be regular but that's really beginner tournaments are really good because it's to try and get people who've never played a game or have only played a few to come along and not feel like they are going to be against people like Dan who play for however many years you know it's to kind of be like no you're all at the same level so just have fun um, they're really good then Edinburgh has Edinburgh International Football Tournament EIKT the last core tournament we played before lockdown. So it will forever hold a fun place in my heart. Um, It's two days, you play one day. Well, I think you have drinks the night before the first day, but not everyone is there by that point. You play one day, then there's a big Cayley and a night out that night. So much fun, it's a really good time. And then the next day you all try and play. (laughs) Um, There are teams from all over, there's England, Scotland, Wales, I think we often get ones from Switzerland. We got one from Switzerland last year, at least. Holland and the Netherlands, I played on that team last tournament because it was mostly Dutch university students um, or maybe all Dutch university students, I'm not sure. Um, And then all the Scottish teams as well. It's a really, really good time. Then in summer, there's quite a lot of summer summer tournaments because obviously Scotland is um, regularly very cold. So playing outside is a real treat. So we have Strathclyde University does a cool tournament they've done for the last few years anyway, which is really fun. And they try and have drinks afterwards as well. And then there's a big weekend in May. I say big weekend, I'm sure it's bigger for someone who went to St. Andrews, but it is a good weekend where it's the weekend all the St. Andrews students finish their exams and they have a beach tournament where, so you play on West Sands Beach um, and it's a slightly different format and we get some teams from england and then all the scottish teams try to come along and basically you play all day you get sunburnt, really no matter whether it's raining or it's not although i only went to one when it rained so um and then you in the evening have a big ceilidh and it's so much fun and then that's the saturday and on the sunday people go through to dundee and they play outside on AstroTurf there and there's a barbecue and there's a bake sale and there's a raffle and it's a really good time no one takes it particularly seriously or a lot of people don't it's just fun it's a nice way to all get to know each other a lot better like the cup you mix up the teams it's not any kind of like your first team your second team it's just like the St Andrews ones a lot of the teams are four people so it basically just becomes you and people you enjoy playing with all play together it's they're really good. They're a good way of building community and building that Scotland-wide and international spirit. When I was in the Netherlands, people knew about the Edinburgh Tournament. I was like, oh, I'm from Edinburgh. And they said, oh, EIKT. And I was like, yeah. Okay, I, was, yeah. I didn't realise that was big enough to be known about over here. But yeah, EIKT. <laughs> it's really good.
1: Right, go on then, tell us a few stories then. Uh, Kaylee's mm-hmm. night's out. What, what's happened?
0: Spill, spill the beans. What's the gossip? I mean, probably a lot of stories are are along the lines of what goes on tour, stays on tour. But um, <laughs> I know a couple of years ago, when I was still coaching the university team, I had uh, one of my one of my best girls go along to the Cayley. Uh Someone who is usually pretty injury prone anyway. But I turn up the next day and she's got her foot in a cast, and she says that oh, I, I probably can't play it. The, the nationals tournament now I've I've, <laughs> I've been dancing too hard um yeah uh you do see some fun fun things happening at these Kayleys um especially for those teams who aren't from Scotland who come up I remember my first Kaylee uh looking at these people dancing in in all sorts of odd and fantastic ways and I got invited to go and dance and then afterwards I was told that was the worst Kaylee dance they'd ever had and yeah, I, I think it's a good way of um, bringing down your ego is uh, to turn up to a Kaylee having never seen one in your life before and, and jump yeah, in on the dance floor.
1: Yeah, Dan, I think we're I think we're both London boys, aren't we? And it's uh, I like a slight advantage, it's, my family is Scottish, so I had, a, I had a rough idea of what I was coming up for. But as you, I mean, you
2: can't beat a Kaylee. You really can't. My friends will say, "I love I love Kaylee's, They're so much fun." I, I agree with Dan that most of it is what Hanson says is until I will say an example of the friendships translating from off on court to off court is when I left university my fourth year there was a gap between when you finish and when you go and graduate and we had a really big leavers year that year and we just decided right shall we all do a holiday so we arranged not just for the leavers there were people who were a few years below us me and my friend who were, we were both the social sex we arranged a trip to Barcelona for 21 golf ballers. Um, and there were golf ball posts in the beach, which we didn't know existed. That was very exciting, um, and we just had a great time. We went, looked around the sites, went out a bit, like stayed in flats together, and it was a really nice memory of, you know, those friendships weren't just on court; they were, they were permanent. And I still speak to those people a lot. The St. Andrews coffle alumni have been having some. Zoom socials, a few of them over lockdown, you know, I'm sure Edinburgh University and Strathclyde and all of them have done the same. It's, they translate as do all the city teams. It's really nice.
1: I think the major question to come out of this, out of this uh, few anecdotes is, have you seen Dan in a, in a kilt at the Cayleys? At the
2: Definitely not. I've danced with him and he's, he's very good. He's clearly learned, you know, you wouldn't tell he hadn't been doing it from PE like all the Scots were but no I have never I think I never will see Dan in a kilt I would imagine.
1: Has he got the quick callball feet?
2: Yeah well that's the thing right all the core know at least how to dodge out the way although we <laughs> right, all do also have weak ankles so Kaylee's. I don't think I've ever got through a core Kaylee without someone spraining their ankle I'm pretty certain it was me at least once you know um
0: Maybe once I lead Scotland to a, a major tournament success, I can I can claim to be fully Scottish. But my accent usually gives me away, so kilt wearing is uh, is still up for discussion.
1: Yeah, yeah, Dan, you're you're the captain of Scotland, aren't? you, Are you not? Isn't uh,
0: no, I was vice captain um, for the previous bunch. Well, the the previous previous bunch, uh, the last squad that I was with. Um, yeah, hopefully, still involved once things are back up and running. And, um, yeah.
1: Yeah. Surely, your, your Scottish parent has introduced you to the uh, the final points of a Kayleigh at some point in the past. Quite, uh...
0: No, um, my dad is very Scottish, but I, I didn't know of a Kaylee until I came up for Corfu. Uh, I'd been to family weddings in Scotland. Um, kilts I was fine with, fully, fully down with, but turning up and seeing my first Kaylee just blew my mind.
2: There were no Kayleys at your family wedding?
0: No. Maybe they're just uh, two straight-laced Glasgow families.
1: (laughs) The Half Court Press is on social media. Feel free to follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. As we begin to wind up what are your happiest memories from court ball?
2: it's a really really hard question <laughs> I I have a lot I would say one of them is probably an amalgamation of every St Andrews Dundee day EIKT final cup day just those moments when every club is together every club's playing and having fun and being competitive but it's not no one's leaving the court mad, you know, it's fun. Um, and, you know, driving back from, we lived in, in St. Andrews, there's no McDonald's. On the drive back, that was <laughs> played in Edinburgh or Glasgow. And that's your three hour, two or one and a half hour drive, but you got McDonald's on the way back and you played cheesy musical all the way. And Edinburgh City, all those socials coming along and feeling a member. These lockdown trainings actually are real highlights because. You've missed it so much that being back and seeing everyone is a real, a real honour and a treat.
0: Dan, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think for me, um, they're split into two categories. I've been quite lucky to play for for successful clubs. So winning the league title with Trojans um, when I was with them was fantastic. Um, when I was with Croydon, gaining promotion to the National League, winning against one of the best teams in the country, pulling off surprise um wins uh playing for scotland was obviously immense the first squad that i was part of the tournament was in the netherlands going away and signing signatures for kids and and i mean being asked for your autograph is just incredible Um, but playing in big stadiums in front of three and a half thousand people uh yeah those are all incredible on the pitch moments and then moving up to scotland and winning the title in my first year uh, with a r- really different but great group of people. So in in London with Trojans, they were the best players, just the best players that I've played with. Um, not just talent, but the amount of work that they put in is phenomenal. Uh, and joining them was like joining a family. Uh, but coming up to Edinburgh City, where the sport's a lot smaller, you had people just pulling for each other uh, and the teamwork and the achievements with that team just meant more um, because it was just a result of great teamwork uh, rather than top talent. Um, so those are the, the on-court moments. I think there are so many off-court moments and it's what makes Corfu great is like the, the trips that you have away. Like even when I was a junior uh, traveling to Norwich with, with the junior team, I, I still remember... Some of the fun that we had in the minibus, um, like people arguing over McDonald's toys um, and yeah just the, the small things that that go on um, on tour. Uh, I remember being a 16 year old in in the Netherlands and being able to drink a beer uh, and then falling outside of a, a circus tent and just lots of fun. <laughs> fun memories and I'm sure there's lots of memories that have been lost (laughs) during those tournaments as well Um, but the the camaraderie uh, off court is great and you'll always find someone to have a chat with, have a drink with and those moments mean just as much as the on court
1: moments Who are who have been the best players that you've played with and why?
2: I've played with I've been lucky enough to play with lots and lots of great players. I think one I'd really highlight is our old captain it's St. Andrews. He actually, I don't know if he ever captained me because he was a year younger than me. So he became captain the year I left, but he took trainings a few times. And for full disclosure, he was also my flatmate at one point, <laughs> biased. But Andrew Thelwell, he was he was a great player skill-wise. I think he was the top scorer at least one of the years um, for the league. But he also was so calm, like a really good captain, really good at making sure people didn't feel bad if they were struggling and helping them feel able to pick themselves up, do better next time, not feel down about themselves, not let other people get flustered if we were behind. He was a really good person to have on court. And I would say the same for another captain I had, Connor Dowd, he was great as well. And I would say the same for, um, I mean, there's so many people at City also, but Christy was a really great coach when I had her. She was really good at adapting her coaching style to what you needed. Um, and I'd say the same for Graham and Cash, but that's the same for everyone. They're all great, but yeah. Um,
0: yeah, for me, the best players list is probably quite long. I've been really lucky to play for some really great clubs um the one that i found playing with the the most fun was with dave brooks at trojans but uh i mean mainly because i had to play against him in training um some of my early sessions with trojans i i thought i was playing at a high level and i'd i'd go out and defend really hard against him and he'd still score shots over me and i remember one uh I put as much pressure on him as he could and he still scored it from like the halfway line. And he just looked at me and he says, you don't need to take it personally, Dan. And that always sticks in my head. Like he, he made the game seem easy. Uh, when he got the ball, everything slowed down for him and just, he looked casual, but it's so talented with it. And I think the best players do that. They, they make it look easy. Um, so for him playing with him, was always a joy. Uh, there was a, uh, a girl there, um, Carly Holness, who just an incredible athlete. Um, I used to just stick myself in, a, in an assist position and let her run her opposition ragged all of the time. And the same as well for Catherine, who was at Trojans, just two girls who, who could tear their opponent to pieces. And it was great just to be on court at the same time, watching them do that uh, and, and helping them to do that. Um, so, yeah, my time at Trojans, though it was short-lived, I was playing with some of the best players in the country. Um, in the Netherlands, all of my teammates were incredible to play with. There's there's no singling them out just because they're they're very different as players, but all of them are, are fantastic.
1: Um, Same
2: um, for my time in the Netherlands. Impossible. <laughs> I
1: like what you said about taking a slightly more of it, more of an assistant role in playing, when I else do do the running. I thought sort myself of doing that more and more as I get older as well, but more to do with my age and my weight than anything else. With um, rapidly declining fitness levels.
0: Uh. Yeah, it's one of the things that I enjoyed in the last season we could play playing for City. Is that I, in my in my first few seasons here, I was top scorer, uh, one of the, one of the kind of big scorers, um, both for club and country, and and just the last couple of seasons taking a more of a, a back seat and letting other people um, get their goals. Debuting is just scoring incredible amounts of goals um, per game. I had Laura, uh last season, just two incredible goal scorers themselves, and I got as much enjoyment assisting and setting up goals for them as I did scoring them myself. So it, maybe it is me getting old and not wanting to do the hard work myself, but it's, it's certainly a, a change that I, I, can, I can see in myself.
1: Best players that you've played against in Roy. Ella.
2: Oh wow. I just I find it really hard to single them out. Like with the last question, I could have named every every single player I've played with, probably. You know, it applies Playing against uh I think it was the only the one that really comes to the forefront of my mind is Plun, who played for Glasgow the court ball. She she's Dutch. Um and she was incredible. I remember she was the first time I think I'd properly played against a Dutch corporal in a competitive situation not just at a tournament where I was like well you know this is fun but if it if it ends terribly oh well we're having fun and having a picnic. I think it was the first time I'd played against one in a league and I've been like you're amazing and it was you know frustrating at times because I wasn't playing as well as I wanted to play but so interesting and i really learned a lot from playing against her the few times i did it, it was right before i moved to the netherlands so i feel like it, it lowered my expectations of how well i could do over there um and she was lovely she was really helpful she would explain what she'd done if i asked her anything so yeah probably her but everyone everyone's great basically
0: um i mean in scotland there's there's one that stands out i've been lucky enough to play with him at Scotland level, but Angus Davidson is just incredible. Um, he's talented, uh, but he's also tall and has a huge wingspan. And so trying to pass around him or receive passes from my teammates, he just makes everything difficult. Uh, he's, he's probably one of the only people that I've played against where I go into a rebound position and I'm, I'm not confident of winning the majority of rebounds. He he's tricky. He's clever. Uh, and, and impossible to wind up as well. He's very much a Tim Duncan-esque, uh, placid, uh, calm guy. And no matter what, like my, I, I enjoy needling players and then just trying to get them out of their headspace and he's impossible. Um, so talent-wise and, and in his head, he's just impossible to play against. Um, yeah, there's been quite a few... Uh, internationally, uh, the one that really stands out, me having a tough time against, was Andrew Hall, who who started up here in Scotland for St Andrews, then moved down uh, to play for rivals of Trojans. He played for Beck, uh, and then I played against him in some England internationals as well. And he was um, someone who was unorthodox as well. He very basketball background, and his movement was difficult to follow. Um, very physical. Just tough to play against. Um, whereas I've played against corporal players who are traditionally better, um, but I understood where their movements were gonna, gonna be. Um, I think one of the strengths that I have is recognising what's happening on a corporal pitch. And with Andrew Hall, there was just no reading his game. He was everywhere and uh difficult to defend and and also attack against.
1: I think a lot of this stuff. It comes down to the human, the human brain recognizing patterns. I've read about an experiment with uh, chess players, like a grandmaster playing against uh, someone like me. You can teach a person moves, but of course, I'm going to lose against a grandmaster. As soon as you move the, play, the pieces into different positions and then say "go play," the skill gap narrows to the point where. The numpty could actually get a few more points in fact it was competing uh, a lot more equally and it's it's patterns and if someone, someone can be in with a different different style of movements different starting points different foot type of footwork i think I think these things can uh, throw your your ability to recognize what's going to happen next off
0: yeah I think you see that in Scotland um I mean the instant thought there was thinking to the Strathclyde uni team um, from, from seasons past is they had incredible athletes. Um, So I'm just thinking of people like Ross McGuinness, Ross Fraser, Bianca, uh, Nadine, just really great athletes. And, and they did well, they got promoted from the second league and they, they challenged at bucks and things like that. But when they came up against city teams, they, they tended to struggle because they've only been playing a few years and, and, the city teams tend to be a bit more wily. Uh, they don't have to expend as much energy. Um, and then I now see those players graduating and joining city teams, and the, the leaps and bounds that they take when they're in more of a structured environment um, is is incredible. And so, yeah, you you see it with a team like that that they're athletic and sporty and and naturally good at korfball, and still not competing um, at the level of other teams that have seasoned experienced players in them who i i hope i don't do them a disservice but i don't think are as naturally athletically gifted as as those guys were
1: the half court press is now on patreon patreon is a well-known and trusted online platform that allows our fans to support the sports journalism that we create. We offer a tiered subscription plan with more content being made available to our fans who choose to spend a bit more each month. We at the Half Court Press would appreciate any and all support that you wish to contribute towards our articles, podcasts and interviews. coaches that you've come across uh,
2: stop with Ella it's a very difficult question because they're all great I would say one of the reasons I ended up joining City was I came along in summer because I'm from Edinburgh just knew City more through competing because Edinburgh Mavericks only plays in the top league and when I started I wasn't playing in the top league so I didn't know any of them really so I went along to Edinburgh City and when I went along the coach then was really lovely. And then when I went along a few years later, Dan took so much time when I wasn't his player, you know, I wasn't playing for him. Um, and he took time to take me aside and talk about my shot. And I remember at one point I was like, why are you doing this, Dan? Like, I don't play for your team. I play for your opposing team. And he said, but I want to raise everyone's level. I don't just care about my team. And I think that mindset is a really, really important one. Um, Christine Cash, who I've had at City been great nina connor from st andrews were all great i've i've not had a bad coach i don't think but i think from all of them the aim has been to raise everyone's level for themselves never to like put people down or be like you're not as good as this so yeah
0: um again i've got a long list of fantastic coaches that i've been coached by the one who probably stands out as as the best in my mind is Bas Haaland. Um, the fact that he's coaching a, a Liverpool League team now uh, at the top level of the Netherlands is not a surprise to me. Um, tactically, he understood the game. He's Dutch. Obviously, he's got a head start from most of the coaches that I've had. But the the one thing that he did well was just his man management um, or, or people skills. Um, he just brought everyone along with him. Uh, he made everyone feel valued. Um, in quite a disjointed squad and uh, yeah just a fantastic guy Um, spending evenings in the bar with him afterwards he's got all of the time in the world for everyone and yeah Uh, on top of the fact that he's a a fantastic awful coach um, just puts him I think ahead of uh, a few other people Um, but yeah I've got a long list of great coaches that I've played for especially when I was growing up at Croydon I had some international superstars coaching me uh i I know steve jones was pretty fundamental in my development as a junior um just teaching me little tricks and little bits and pieces he was really really hard on me um uh i remember going to to speak to his wife and just talking about things in general and just say he's always on my back he's always criticizing me this and the other and she said well do you see him doing that with other people i said no it's just me he's like yeah because he has the most belief in you he expects you to to reach a level that he doesn't think others can and that's why he's on you and that that mindset really then changed and I I really enjoyed him getting on my back and, and pushing me to be as good as I can so I think he also was fundamental in my in my development as a younger player
2: I should have mentioned by the way I keep forgetting about the Netherlands because we're talking about Scottish coreball. ball all the coaches there were obviously amazing but one who really stood out was um Yap Turing who was just he was played at a fairly high level in that club but was coaching the playing members which is what I was when I started and he and the seventh team and he just took so much time you know I didn't speak any Dutch when I got there and you have to say hello and I'm sorry I don't speak Dutch I speak (laughs) um and I learned a lot while I was there but he took a lot of time to say what is this in English and like do you understand this training and to correct bad habits that i'd picked up over the years and be like you can shoot that way but it will be much more efficient and better if you shoot this way and he was just he was a really great coach so i should have mentioned him but i always think of scotland on this podcast So, <laughs>
1: surely, surely one beer please is the first thing you learn in dutch
2: no two, beer.
0: two, two beers two beers please because they're so small that you have to order them two at a time
1: Oh, we said two beers, Dan, I thought, I thought it was because you're, you're such a sociable creature. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that as well, but I mean, if I'm being sociable then it's it's around, it's ten beers and uh, a tray. I mean, they have special um, like planks of wood with holes in that you carry all of the beers back to your team with. So, yeah, in the Netherlands the beers, even though they're smaller, are a big part of the social culture there. Yeah,
1: Ella, I am going to give you the final say on this episode. Oh,
2: well. In
1: three words, what makes Ball special?
2: Community, friendliness, competition.
1: Dan Pratt and Ella Fisher of Edmundson City, City. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. This has been a Half Court Press production by Teo McLeod. If you have enjoyed this show, please leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts and Facebook.